Hello and welcome to Connect Points podcast and sermon archives. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at connectpointupc.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. Amen. Amen. Revelation, the first chapter. I want to just read a couple of verses here. There's going to be a lot of scriptures today. We have a directive to talk about the oneness of God today. Amen. Revelation 1, 7 and 8, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him. And all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him, even so, amen. And he will say, the one that they pierced, that they see in this last day, he will say, I am Alpha and Omega. The beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. So I want to preach today with the help of the Lord about one almighty God. One almighty God. Amen. Give three or four people a high five. Tell them you're glad they're here today. Amen. Isn't the Lord good to us? The Lord is so good to us. I I feel directed of the Lord today to, to drive home scripturally this powerful knowledge, yea, even revelation of the oneness of God. The reason why the oneness of God must be revelatory in our day is because of the singular reason of humanity getting its hands on truth. And when humanity gets its hands on truth and does not submit and surrender itself totally to that truth, then we start messing with stuff. We start trying to think about it from our perspective. Amen. We do not filter the word of God through our perspective. We do not put on the glasses of our life, our personal experience, our culture, our age, and then look at the word of God through those glasses. The word of God is the foundational piece. The word of God is the everlasting truth. The word of God is that which is forever settled in heaven. It means don't mess with it. In fact, there are some strong scriptures towards the end of Revelation that tell us that if you do mess with it, that all of the curses that are in the book could come upon you. The word of God is not to be messed with. The Bible tells us in one very simple passage of scripture why it is important 
and the value and just how powerful the understanding that there is only one God is. The Bible says in James 2 and 19, thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. That word tremble means to shudder in fear. There's a reason that hell fears this one God. They don't fear the thousands of man-made gods. Hell is not afraid of our idols. Hell is not afraid of our carven images. Hell is not afraid of the sun, moon, or stars that some may worship to, or any other deity that anyone else would proclaim. Hell is afraid of the one almighty God because hell has a perspective that we don't have. Hell is full of demons and Satan himself who understand that there is one God who spoke with authority and said, let there be, and there was. There was one God who kicked them out of his presence. There was one God who relegated Satan, as it were, to a snake. There was one God who said, I'm going to crush your head with my heel. And there is one God that said, there's an eternal lake of fire waiting on Satan and every demon that ever worked with him. They have an understanding that we don't have a perspective that we don't see and they fear. Oh, hallelujah. When we talk about the Godhead, this phrase Godhead that we reference as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we speak of them as Scripture speaks of them, as one God. There are not three separate gods. There are not three divinities that simply work in unity. They are not co-equal, co-eternal. There are not three thrones sitting in heaven. There is one God who has manifested or shown himself to us in different ways. Divinity and humanity are united in the person of Jesus Christ. Making Jesus both God and man, which is proven by the prophets which is proven by the apostles, which is proven by Jesus Christ himself. The prophets declare to us that Jesus Christ is God. How do they do that? Well, prophets do it prophetically. Amen? That's what prophets do. And Isaiah the prophet declares in the 35th chapter, say to them that are a fearful heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, even God with a recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be open, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as a heart, and the tongue of the dumb shall sing. Does that sound like anybody we know? Was there anybody in history that came on the scene and the eyes of the blind started opening up and the ears of the deaf started opening up and the dumb were able to speak again? 
The miraculous and salvation show up when the one almighty God shows up. I said the miraculous shows up when the one almighty God shows up. Salvation of our soul shows up when the almighty one God shows up. That's why I'm a one God preacher because the Bible says there's only one. And when you preach in the truth of the oneness of God, you can still believe in signs and wonders and miracles. You can still believe that chains can break and addictions can be defeated and lives can be changed. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Remember what a prophet did. A prophet's primary function in the Old Testament was to serve as God's representative or ambassador by communicating God's word to his people. True prophets never spoke on their own authority. Everybody hear me? True prophets never spoke on their own authority. That's just a good rule of thumb for anybody that would call themselves a prophet today. I believe in prophets. I believe in apostles. I believe in the five-fold ministry. But they better be operating under a God-given authority. They never spoke on their own authority or shared their personal opinions, but rather delivered the message that God himself gave them. Amen. Amen. Several texts make this very clear. God promised Moses. He says, now go. I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. In Exodus 4. God assured Moses, I will raise up for my people a prophet like you, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he will tell them everything I command them. Deuteronomy 18. The Lord said to Jeremiah, I have put my words in your mouth. In Jeremiah 1.9, he commissioned the prophet Ezekiel by saying, you must speak my words to them. In Ezekiel 2. And many of the Old Testament prophetic books begin with the words, the word of the Lord that came to. That's how they start in Hosea 1, Joel 1, Micah 1, Zephaniah 1, Jonah 1. Amos claimed this is what the Lord says in Amos 1 and 3. Prophets don't say whatever they want to say. They say what God tells them to say. Oh, hallelujah. It is most clearly stated in 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time to the will of man, but the holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So, when Isaiah prophesied in the Old Testament, that the blind were going to see, and the deaf were going to hear, and the lame were going to walk, oh hallelujah, and the dumb were going to talk. He spoke of a time when God would, he said, come. When God would come. And you can understand then why this matters. When we read things like John the Baptist, when he sends his men to go talk to Jesus in Matthew 11, and now when John had heard in the prison of the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto them, Art thou he that should come? 
Isaiah prophesied hundreds of years earlier God would come. And you are going to see these things happen when he comes. And John says, are you the one that should come or do we look for another? And Jesus answered and said to him, go and show John again these things which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sight. The lame are walking. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf are able to hear again. The dead are being raised up. The poor have the gospel preached unto them because when the one Almighty God shows up. You can expect the miraculous to take place. When the one Almighty God shows up, you can expect salvation to come forward. Are you the one that should come? The appearing of our God who would come, that Isaiah prophesied would come to pass. Or should we look for another? He says, I want you to look at what I'm doing. And then match that up with what the prophet said I would do. What was going to happen when God came? They were looking for God to come. And they found him in Jesus Christ. Christ is also man. As Isaiah would prophesy to the world, Isaiah 53, he is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. Remember, this is the Old Testament prophet, Isaiah, prophesying about what was going to happen. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised. For our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. You cannot wound and bruise deity. You cannot wound and bruise the spirit of the almighty God. You cannot cause to be stricken, and he needs no esteem. When we read Isaiah's prophecy, we know exactly what he is talking about because we have the New Testament now too. We know exactly what Isaiah is prophesying about. He is prophesying about Calvary. We know that because we also have the New Testament now. But when Isaiah prophesied it, there was yet no New Testament. There was no yet no virgin with a child. There was yet no man come. It was still a prophecy looking toward the future. But he said, when you see this, you will be seeing God. When you see this, you will be seeing the activity of God. His humanity was bruised. His humanity was stricken. And those who said they loved him hid their faces from him. Did they not? They did. Jesus Christ is God and man. Matthew 1, 23. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son. That's humanity. And they should call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. That's divinity. She didn't have twins. 
She didn't have twins. She had one child, which of course was prophesied long before it ever came to pass. Isaiah also prophesied in the seventh chapter, therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. He prophesied that hundreds of years before it came to pass before their very eyes. Oh, hallelujah. He also prophesied in Isaiah 9 and 6, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. There's your humanity. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, there's your divinity. The Prince of Peace. The apostles declare that Jesus Christ is God. Look at it with me. John wrote in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He comes together at the end of this thought with verse 14. And the Word, there's your divinity, was made flesh, there's your humanity, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That was, Th that was John. Thomas wrote, and Thomas said in John 20, and after eight days again his disciples were with him, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. He said that uh, to Jesus who was standing in front of them. Jesus uh, who he could touch now with his hands uh, and he could see the wounds in his physical body. Uh, Thomas understood uh, this is more than just a man. Uh, this is also my Lord and my God. Thomas did not say, it's good to see you, Jesus. Uh, I'm glad you survived Calvary. Would you introduce me to God? Thomas didn't say, man, that's awesome uh, that you're alive again, Jesus. Uh, could, you, could, could you introduce me to the Father? Could you take me to God so I could tell him thank you uh, for him bringing you out of that grave? No, Thomas touched that body that was in front of him. He looked at those wounds in the hands and the side, and he said, behold, my Lord and my God. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Timothy 3, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was. Now, I want to help somebody out here. There's far too many belief systems out there that read great is the mystery of godliness and build an entire doctrine around the fact that it's a mystery. None of us are allowed to know. Don't ask those types of questions because we don't have the answers. 
Well, you would if you just kept reading. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. Does that sound like anybody that you know? Does that sound like a baby that was born in the angels sing? Does that sound like a child who grew up and died on a cross? Does that sound like a man who walked out of a grave and was ascending up into the heavens? Does that sound anything like Jesus? God was manifest in the flesh. He didn't send a demigod. He didn't send a second in command. He didn't send some co-equal, co-eternal. He came himself in the flesh and died on a cross for us. Jude said that the only wise God is our Savior. Paul said in Titus 2.13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And in case we think that this is two different appearings, he keeps talking. He says, who gave himself. Singular. He says, the appearing of our great God and Savior who gave himself, oh hallelujah, for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Not two separate beings appearing, one God who came to us as the Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus himself declared who he was. And I'm glad he did. Because you can say, if you want, if you don't believe that the Bible is inspired of God, if you don't believe that the Bible is true, then you can discount Paul and Peter and Jude. You can discount them. That seems like a foolish thing to do. John 8, 56, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, you're not even 50 years old, man. How do you get to talk about Abraham? How do you get to talk about seeing Abraham or Abraham seeing you? Jesus said unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Oh, Hallelujah. Then took they up stones to cast at him. Yeah, everybody doesn't love this one God message. <laughs> but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. They loved to speak of Abraham. They loved Abraham, and they should love Abraham. A patriarch, a man of God. Chosen of God, used of God, a covenant relationship with God. They loved Abraham, yet they lived almost nothing of Abraham's life. 
They wanted to use Abraham to their personal benefit. So Jesus calls them on it. Your father Abraham, he says, rejoiced to see my day. Means he jumped for joy. Means he was exceeding glad. He saw this day of Jesus Christ coming by faith. Abraham saw this day. Abraham didn't get to live the day. But he saw the day. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I said he saw the day. And he saw it by faith. And Jesus tells them that. And they say, you're not 50 years old and hast thou seen Abraham? You're not old enough to have been alive in Abraham's day. How can you speak of Abraham? And Jesus blows their minds when he says, before Abraham was, I am. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus Christ declared his own timeless existence. Having existed before Abraham came into being at all. Not possible if he is limited to mere humanity. It is not possible if he is just some sort of demigod or second god whose sole purpose was to be born and to die on a cross. It's not possible for him to say, I was before Abraham. It's only possible if he is acting in his deity, if he is speaking from his deity, not to be misunderstood as saying he existed in the plan of God. I don't want you to get that from me today. I'm not saying he existed in the plan of God. Jesus does not say I was. He declares I am. I'm the ever-present form, as in our ever-present help in time of trouble. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus was not holding back. He was being very clear. John 14, 8, Philip said unto the Lord, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Oh, that's good. Good for you, Philip. You know, if you would just show us the Father, if you would just show us God, we, we would be all right. And Jesus looks at him and says, Have I been so long time with you? And yet thou hast not known me, Philip? What are you asking me to do? Have you not been paying attention? Have you not been watching the prophecies come to pass? He that has seen me has seen the Father. How sayest thou then, show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. You know, it's possible to hang around the things of Jesus and miss the revelation that he's God. I get questions all the time. Why so many religions? Why so many religions? Why so many Christian faiths? Because it's possible to hang around Jesus and not pay attention. It's possible to hang around Jesus and not listen to what he's saying. 
It's possible to hang around Jesus and never read the book. Studies have been done about how many self-proclaimed Christians have never read the Bible through. It's sad. I don't understand how we proclaim Christianity when we've never read the book. Amen. It's possible to hang around the things of Jesus and not get the revelation of who Jesus is. You say, well, I don't know. I don't know if that's true, preacher. Well, guess what? What did Jesus say when he was walking on the earth? What did he say to some of them? You just came out here to see the show. You heard I'm doing all this cool stuff. Only reason you're here is because you want to see what I'm cool thing I'm going to do next. The only reason you're here is because you want to see the miracle that's going to happen next. <coughs> if they were doing it when he was actually there in the flesh, is it possible that some would do it today? Only hang around Jesus for the miraculous. Only hang around Jesus when I'm desperate. Only hang around Jesus when I need to feel me good. Only hang around Jesus when I got nothing else to do on a Sunday. Only hang around Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. There are people all over the place that are doing it. And that's why we have so many different Christian faiths. Because they're hanging around Jesus. But they're not listening to Jesus. And they're not getting the revelation of who Jesus is. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Ha! You got to get a revelation that there is one almighty God who loves you and sees you, who created you and made a way of salvation for you, who heals you and delivers you. When you get the revelation of who Jesus is, there's something powerful. He calls Maha. Who is it that you are serving? Do you know? Do you know who you are serving? Do you know who you are looking, who are you looking to return? Do we believe there's a return? Do we believe he's going to come back? Who? Who's coming back? A deity? Humanity? Demigod? Second in command? Oh, hallelujah. Who are we relying on to save us? Who are we relying? He shall save his people from their sins. Who is that? These questions matter because our knowledge of God, hear me now, our knowledge of God informs how we approach God. Our knowledge of God informs how we pray. It informs how we think. It informs how we live. That's all informed by our knowledge of God. Am I right? I'm right. Because 
There are still plenty of people praying to Mary. There's still plenty of people praying to one of the apostles, depending on what the situation is. Walking around with things hanging around their necks and holding on to grabbing the right, I don't know what the verbiage is. But whatever apostle they need, they get the thing. Because our knowledge of God informs how we approach God. Oh, hallelujah. And if my knowledge of God does not include the revelation that he is one and that his name is Jesus, then I could end up all over the place with how I live my life and how I approach God and how I pray and what I believe. It informs how I pray. Oh, hallelujah. I'm so glad to know that when I say the name Jesus, all power in heaven and earth is wrapped up in that name. Oh, hallelujah. I don't have to know a bunch of other names. I don't have to have a bunch of memorized prayers. I can go boldly, the Bible says, into the throne of grace. I can go into the Holy of Holies. In the Old Testament, only the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies. You tried going back there, you were going to be struck down dead. Who changed that? Jesus did, right? Our God came in flesh and hung on a cross. And when he said, it is finished, only Deity, only God can say it's finished. And when he said it is finished, the veil in the temple tore from the top to the bottom, making access for whosoever will to come in to the holy of holies. God decides who gets to come in. Not some demigod, not some second in command, not some co-equal, co-eternal. God decides who gets to come. And he said, I came to make a way that you could come boldly before the throne of grace come on everybody clap your hands there is one almighty God it informs our revelation of who God is informs how we approach our own salvation we go to repentance because we believe in the power of Calvary. We go because it is at what happened at Calvary that my sins are remitted or, or the sins are forgiven because of what Jesus, God in flesh, did on the cross. And I have, when I have repented of my sins, the Bible directs me towards baptism. And when I get to baptism and I begin to look at what the Bible says about baptism, I get informed that my one almighty God has a name. And the name matters. It matters. Everything you do in word or deed, Scripture says, do it in the name of the Lord. And so what did they do? They followed his 
command. They baptized in the name. And what is the name of the Father? And what is the name of the Son? <laughs> he said in Matthew 28 and 19, Go ye therefore baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And they went forth baptizing in the name of Jesus. No scripture. No scripture showing us anyone getting baptized in what we now refer to as the titles or what was later called the Trinitarian formula. That was man-made long after the Bible was completed. No scripture where anyone is baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost because there was no confusion when he said, go baptize in the name, they knew what that singular name was. Oh, hallelujah. They knew what that name was. And they baptized in the name. And you say, well, they got it wrong. Well, then throw the Bible in the trash. Because if all of the baptisms in Scripture are wrong, then how are we going to believe anything in the Bible? Amen. You understand? Are we grasping today how our revelation based upon the, our knowledge of the word of God informs how we live? It informs how we pray. It informs our salvation. Oh, hallelujah. The Holy Ghost shall come in my name. Jesus tells them about the coming of the Spirit. Going to come in his name. He says, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses of me. Right? I want you to know. What did they become? They became witnesses of him. And what did they declare everywhere they went? Jesus. What did they preach everywhere they went? Jesus. What did, what did Peter and John say when they came to the gate beautiful? Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have in the name of Jesus Christ. Right? They preached and they proclaimed the name of Jesus. They were witnesses of the name because the name is the name of God. The almighty God. One almighty God. The Bible tells us that one day in Revelation 1, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him. Now notice, who's coming in the clouds? The one who they pierced. Right? They're going to recognize. And all kindreds of the earth shall wait, wail because of him. Even so, amen, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. The one whom they pierced is going to say, I am the Almighty. 
which was, which is, which is to come. He will be recognized. And he will declare upon his victorious arrival. I am. Oh, hallelujah. He's going to say it again. I am. Just like he said to them about Abraham. I am. I am the I am. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am. He's going to declare the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord. He's going to declare which is and which was and which is to come. And he is going to declare, I am the Almighty. None beside me, none above me, none even close to me, ways above our ways. Hallelujah. He is the Almighty God. No demigod, no second in command, no human being simply born to die on a cross, no humble servant existing only to be despised and rejected. Jesus Christ. God Almighty. And I want to remind us today now that we are in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Which means that all things are possible right now. I, I wanted you to get this in you today. I wanted to use the scriptures. I wanted to walk through this. I know it's a little bit different today. I hope that we have a revelation of who he is. But I want to finish with reminding you that that means the almighty God is in this place right now. We are people of the name. Oh, hallelujah. We are people of the name. We are oneness apostolic. Oh, hallelujah. We are people of the name. And the name is Jesus, and he is God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And so we are in the presence of the Almighty God, which means cancer can be healed, which means every disease has to flee, which means he can restore the mind and the home and the relationship. He can cast out all fear. Oh, hallelujah. He can lose joy and peace. He can break the chains of stronghold in our life. We are in the presence of the Almighty God. Oh, stand to your feet and clap your hands unto the Lord. struggling today maybe you got yourself in trouble maybe you're feeling a little overwhelmed in your situation good news Paul writes of Jesus Christ and he is before all things and by him all things consist your current situation is not overwhelming to God Whatever you're going through right now is not hard for him. Hard for you, yeah. Overwhelming for you, sure. But not for him. And he's here. The one almighty God is here. No matter what's gone on through time or in your life, 
or in your year or this week, no matter the curveballs you've been thrown, you may feel all turned around and lost and confused today. Hebrews 13, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. You and I need consistency. This world longs for stability. <laughs> Look no further than your God and Savior, Jesus Christ. You're struggling with consistency. You're struggling with stability. You're struggling with following through. Look no further than the one almighty God. He is not a man alone that he is unable to save us. He is also not a God alone that he is unable to understand us. This is the power of one almighty God. As a man, he wept the death of Lazarus. But as God, he said, Lazarus, come forth. As a man, he hungered. As God, he fed the thousands. As a man, he felt the pain of people's words, their swords and their spear. But as God, he healed the sick. He lifts up the heavy burden. As a man, he died on a cross. But as God, he walked out of that grave. Our Lord and Savior knows exactly what we need today. The power of one almighty God is in this place to accomplish what only he can accomplish. The front of this building is intentionally left open <laughs> for you to come and pray. You have seen other people already in this service come forward. And I would ask you now today that everyone in this place that would, would step out of your row by faith. Whether you need a miracle, whether you need a deliverance, it doesn't matter. Maybe you just need to come up here and worship the one almighty God. Maybe it would be good for some of us to just come up here and just worship him. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online at connectpointupc.com. And also don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you and we hope you have a great week.